Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Turn to the Word of God, uh, Romans chapter 4. I think it'll be on the screen, but if you want to turn, Romans 4, 16 to 24. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That's why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That's the word of God. Well, it's great to be with you this morning and my name is Ian, as Miria just prayed, uh, and I just have... Uh, great amount of honour to be able to come and share the word of God with you this morning. Many people might not know me, some of you here would, would know me but others wouldn't. Uh, Valdine knows me from when I was a much younger person and, and Bill and Valdine were pastoring at the church that we were in uh, a long time ago and it's wonderful to see you here and others, friends that I know, family here. But if you don't know me, my name is Ian and I, uh, Ian, and I used to come here several years ago now to pray in just this spot with the pastor who was the pastor here at the time, who happens, in the way God works things out, to be Rachel Foster's father. And we used to pray for good things to happen in this fellowship. And they have. That's not amazing at all, is it? We pray and good things happen. And still today, I want to say that I'm still praying for you, that you're often in my prayers as we look to see all that God wants to do through this fellowship at Broadview Baptist. Now, I've been given free reign today by Pastor Andrew to share this morning, and so I simply want to encourage you with one verse that I felt that God put on my heart. It's the verse in Romans 4 from the passage we just read. It's verse 17. It's this. He, Father, he, he Father, he, Abraham, is our Father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. When I first started coming here to pray, the church here was certainly not dead. I've been in dead churches where the Spirit of God has left the church. This church was not dead. But it's certainly true that God has added so much new life and called things into being here that were not. 
as we can see from the growth of the fellowship and the variety of, of ages and the people who are here today who call Broadview Baptist home. Amen? Isn't it wonderful to see what God has been doing? But what an astonishing verse Romans 4.17 is. And isn't it both a wonderful encouragement and a significant challenge to consider the God we follow according to this verse? This one verse reminds us that we follow and believe in an awesome God who can give life to the dead and can call into being, bring new things into existence where there was nothing there before. And it's so good, I think, to be encouraged in faith often to remember that if he can even give life to the dead and bring things into existence out of nothing, then literally nothing must be impossible for God. Isn't that right? It's just as Jesus said, with man things might be impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And it allows us to think always, how much more do we think God is capable of in and through our lives. In the midst of life, with all its challenges and trials, is there more that God can do? Of course there is. In our church, can we see even more wonderful things happen than we've seen in the past as we believe God together? Of course we can. In fact, we should expect that to be the case. Growing, thriving churches should be the norm. Dying, weak churches should be something to cry over because that's not the norm with God. Elsewhere in Scripture, there's the verse in Ephesians 3.20 that tells us that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, think or imagine. What a verse to write. And there are two words there in the Greek as Paul tries to express, express the boundless possibilities of God. He puts together the words for far more and abundantly beyond, like Paul tends to do, try to describe God. Shouldn't we, should we allow ourselves to dream often that within his plans and according to his will, he's able to do more good things than anything we can ask, anything we can think of, anything we can imagine, as we put our trust in him? And what might that mean for the future of this fellowship? What might that mean? What amazing things might that mean for a community who gathers around God and says, we're going to trust you in this way? as part of his plan for us as his followers to see him do these amazing things. And here in Romans 4.17, Paul puts it this way, we are children of Abraham. Those who follow in the faith of a simple man maybe, but a man who heard God call him and who just simply trusted him. You know, when I was a young Christian, I got involved in teaching Sunday school when I was probably only 17, which was probably a crazy thing to do. And you know what my trouble was? I just wanted to say to the kids, do you trust God? Because all the rest of it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? I wasn't a very good teacher. I just had one lesson. Do you, and I suppose I'm the same now at 64. Do you trust God? That's my one lesson, I think. Those who follow in the faith of a simple man who heard God call to him and who simply trusted him. Abraham found life and blessing in a future that hadn't existed before and it was a blessing to the world all because he believed in the God who gives life to the dead and who calls into being things which were not. Several years ago I read a book called The Gift of the Jews by a guy called American author called Thomas Cale. It was a New York Times bestseller and it's not really a Christian book but what it, I found amazing was that it looks to this moment in history in world history, when a simple man called Abram, living in a world where humans saw their position as being part of the endless cycles of life, 
where the worldview was that the gods were in charge in their heavens, and that's where the real action was, and the gods were interested in themselves and whatever they were doing. And humans were simply subjected to their whims on the earth and where the relationship, if you could call it that, with any god was never anything more than appeasement. How amazing and world-changing, Thomas Cale Hill said, was it when a normal, rational man understood that he had heard the voice of God above all the gods and he trusted this wonderful God, a God who was interested in this man, interested in his family, wanting to improve the lives of these ones with whom he'd made contact and through them had a plan to bless all humanity. What a difference that made in the world, a God wanting to bless mankind, a God who said, Things can be better than they are on the earth and I have the will and a plan to pour my power into your life and into my world for your good. Trust me and follow me and I'll bless you and I'll bless the world through you. It began to change everything. When we understand things can be better because of this God, Thomas Cale notes, and it still does when we understand that. And we are children of the faith of this man Abraham, this verse tells us. In the context of the passage we read in Romans, Paul has been explaining to his readers, wasn't anything else about Abraham, anything else Abraham did in his life that gave him this blessed experience with God. It wasn't because he'd undergood the, circum, the ritual of circumcision, because that happened much later. It wasn't because Abraham had been able to do everything right in his life because he couldn't. It wasn't because Abraham kept the Ten Commandments and the law of God because that wasn't given until a lot later. It wasn't even because Abraham was born into the right family or anything else about Abraham. The blessing in Abraham's life and that flowed through his life into all the earth came through this one thing. It was one thing that set Abraham apart. Abraham believed the words of God to him. Abraham trusted God. Now, Abraham, was, you see, he wasn't a man who got everything right. In fact, I'm, I could be wrong on this, but in, I think a few times he acted fairly poorly, even making his wife pretend to be his sister a couple of times because he was afraid that in the, the land where he was, the king would see how beautiful uh, she was and would you know, maybe do away with Abraham so he could have his wife. Both times, God had to rescue Sarah from the trouble Abraham's fear put her in. No, Abraham was a man just like, like I am. He was a person just like you and I. He's not an example of a man who never faced fear or concern or never made a mistake. He was more concerned for himself sometimes than for Sarah, his wife. But despite these things, Abraham is our father, the one our spiritual DNA comes from, the Bible tells us, because of this one thing. His life, though not perfect, always came back to one thing he had, to trust God. And God said, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for on the whole earth. I know you won't always be perfect, but will you put your trust in me and in what I can do in your life? Those who know the Bible know that we first meet Abraham in Genesis 11, where he's called Abram, which means exalted father, and later on God changes his name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And chapter 12 of Genesis starts with that, this amazing promise. It says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, 
your people and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. God called Abram to show his trust in his actions, to leave his family surroundings and his father's home and to follow God, even though Abram didn't know exactly where God would lead him. Even though he was no longer a young man, he might be looking for a great big adventure. You know, if you're a young guy like Andrew, you know, you're looking for an adventure in life, but when you get to my age, this is challenging, isn't it? Anyone here, you know, who might be somewhere near 75-ish or between there and 100 these verses are for people in this category. Interesting, isn't it? You know, I'm recently retired a few years ago and it's easy when you get to retirement to think we well, now we relax, but it's not really like that, is it? We need to be saying, Lord, what have you got in front of me? Where do you want me to put my trust in you in this next step of life? It's always an adventure with God. But God called Abram to follow his promise as he calls each one of us. God said to Abram, I'll make of you something great and I'll bless you and I'll bless the whole world through you. Just as God calls us now to, to follow him to a life that's more than just ordinary, he calls us to be blessed through Christ and be part of bringing the blessing to all the world around us. And Abram took this first step of faith and he joined in with what God was doing. He simply trusted what God was showing was the first step and then the next step. And that's faith, that's trusting God. Just the first step and then the next step. Then in Genesis 15, God spoke to Abram and confirmed again his great promises. And Abraham said to God, how can these promises ever come true? We can be honest with God. We can bring our doubts to him. Abram said, look, I'm really old now and I don't even have one child to carry on this blessing that you're promising to me and my family, let alone to become a great nation of people. And we know God, if you know the Bible, God took him outside and he said, Abram, look up at the sky and count the stars if you're able to do it. That's how many children you're going to have. How should Abram respond to this outlandish promise beyond anything he can imagine in the face and the facts and the promises, the problems he'd already laid out before God? Well... In one of the most challenging and wonderful verses of the Bible, I think, the very next verse in Genesis is one of my favourite verses of all. Genesis 15, 6 says, Abram believed God and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. Abram believed God and God said, that's what I'm looking for from you. We don't have time today to focus on all the other parts of the story of Abraham, of how, for instance, as the years passed, Sarah started to doubt that God had fulfilled his promise and led Abraham to the mistake of trying to bring God's promise to pass by Abraham having a child with a servant. That only caused trouble. But still God was faithful. And at 100 years old, Abraham became a father to a son born by the promise of God alone, and he called him Isaac. Now Paul mentions in our verse especially two things about God that Abraham learned to trust him in. Two things we can learn about the faith we share as children of Abraham. One is our faith is that our God is the God who can call things into being which were not. 
out of nothing, when there seems to be no hope that it could ever happen. And second, our faith is that our God is the God who can give life to the dead. And we see both of these things demonstrated through this son, Isaac. It was impossible, for, as we all know, it was impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have children. It was way before IVF. I think with IVF, some ladies have had children at 60. This is a 100-year-old man and a 98-year-old lady and no IVF. This was impossible, but still Abraham trusted God. I wonder what God might call us to trust him for that seems impossible. Paul tells us in our passage today, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he'd promised. You know, that's the sort of faith we've been given as a gift. And as Abraham trusted, God did the miracle and a son of the promise of God was born to them. This is the faith we're blessed with. This sort of faith is a gift to us, a gift for the church to use, to express. Faith in the God who can call things into being out of nothing. So we are never limited by what's here. Now instead, what are the things that don't exist and that are not possible that God might therefore want to bring into life, bring into being in your life and in this church? I have an example from close in my own family of how God can bring into being those things that were not in a really wonderful way. My youngest sister didn't follow the Lord at all until she was over 40 years of age. And suddenly in her early 40s she came to a really low point in her life, a time of disappointment where the future seemed to her to be totally empty, lacking in hope of any sort. A time when those around her were really very concerned for her. But miraculously, God met her in that time. You could call it her Abraham moment. And as she stopped trusting herself and started turned to trusting God, because she had nowhere else to go, he very quickly led her to take one step and then another step and soon she found herself doing some short-term mission trips through a church that she joined in with. And one of those included a trip to Uganda in Africa. And there she met the Christian man who is now her husband. And within a few years, she and her husband, Moses, had been led by God to establish a Christian community and school in western Uganda where hundreds of children every day receive love and food and education and health care in Jesus' name. It's called Lagongwe Christian Community. You can look it up on the internet. She'd love it if you give them money. She's the founder and the mother to that community with a life of incredible drive and purpose and fullness that often makes me feel very humble. And her life has touched thousands of lives for good and for God over the last decade as he's brought into being things that were not and could never have happened. They weren't even possible. They weren't even thought of in her life. She didn't make them happen. She trusted God and he brought into being things that were not to his glory. The second way that Abraham trusted God was that he trusted God who brings the dead to life. And we see this in the story in Genesis 22 when God made the strange request to Abraham 
to take his son Isaac, this precious son God had given as a gift through whom all this blessing would come to take him up on a mountain and sacrifice him there as an act of worship to God. What an amazing test of faith. But Abraham trusted God. He got up early the next morning and he loaded his donkey and he took his son and, he, and the firewood for the sacrifice. And the scripture tells us then what happened. Verse 6 of chapter 22. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the top of the mountain, Abraham prepared to sacrifice his son, but God stopped him and said, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. And God provided another sacrifice up there on the mountain. A ram was there prepared by God for the sacrifice in the place of Isaac. And you know, Hebrews eleven nineteen tells us that Abraham said in his heart on that day that if God wanted him to sacrifice his son, then he would trust God that God could also bring Isaac back to life from the dead. That's faith, isn't it? Does that inspire you about how much you're allowed to exercise your faith in what God's able to do? About the type of faith in what God can do that we have been blessed with? And what a church should dream about that God might be able to do filled with children of Abraham's faith. Of course, wonderfully on that day, God provided to Abraham, proved to Abraham he didn't want or require his people to sacrifice their children to him as happened in the worship of false gods all around Abraham. In fact, instead, we know that the ram that God provided as a sacrifice on the mountain in place of Isaac is a picture of Jesus. The Son of God provided as the perfect sacrifice for us who were dead in our sin and who gives us back our lives from the dead. Abraham didn't know all that though. He just trusted that God could do the impossible. As children of Abraham, we've been blessed with faith to trust in the God who can bring back the dead to life. And ultimately, as Christians, if we don't believe that, we're not at a very good place. As Christians, our greatest trust is that our God can bring the dead to life. Isn't that right? At the resurrection, we know he's going to do that. We absolutely know it, that he's going to bring the dead to life. Death will not hold us down. But sometimes as well, Times come to each one of us when we're tested in believing that God is the God who can bring the dead back to life, something dead back to life. Even as we have to go through the process of trusting God when dreams and hopes and plans die so that we'll see him bring to life what seemed to be dead. In my own experience, I've felt this. As a teenager of about 17, I experienced a significant call to pastoral ministry. So much so that I spoke to my pastor. I only told two people about it, my pastor and the lady who's now my wife. Uh, but when I spoke to my pastor, he wisely suggested that I get a job first. And I thought, oh, darn it. You know, pastor only works one day a week. You know, 
No, not at all. Over many years I stayed in, I got a job. I went to uni, got a degree, got a job. I stayed involved in church service and leadership of many types and God blessed me incredibly in life. But I knew deep within, something I never shared really with anyone else, that that call to follow where he was leading in pastoral ministry was unfulfilled. And in fact, when people used to describe me as an accountant, it would feel like a knife was turning in my side. I would think, well, I do accounting, but it's not who I am. This call was still there under the surface, and there might be others here who understand what that's like. But I feel that rather than to try to push into it, it was right that I should serve and I should wait and I should just trust in God. Many years after the initial call, I received a further sense of a direct message from God from Joshua chapter 1 saying that I would lead his people. And I sensed that while I was one of the leaders in our church, this was about something more, about that call. And it was something even about the fellowship we were in at at Ross Trevor Baptist. And I really had no idea how something so unlikely could ever happen. My tertiary training wasn't in being a pastor and I had an extremely busy career. I was just an ordinary person with a sense that God had something for me to do. Then things took a turn I didn't expect. We'd been worshipping and serving at Ross Trevor for 18 years when in 2004 my wife and I felt it was surprisingly time for us to step out of leadership and to leave that community, community we loved. That's not something we'd planned to do. Everyone said goodbye to us and they gave us a book with lots of nice things that people wrote in it because we'd been fairly involved in the community over a long time and we began serving actively in another church community. You could say for sure that any thought of pastorally leading God's people at Ross Trevor Baptist Church was dead. Do you know what? With the value of hindsight, it was an Abraham moment of having to trust God and allow something to die so that something in his plan could actually happen. In hindsight, it was precisely because we were not at RBC that I wasn't involved in the pastoral search that led ultimately to me being called unexpectedly, unusually, to lead his people as pastor from 2006 until a few years ago when I retired and Pastor Dan came into that role. If I was there, if that other thing had never died, I would never have been called. You see, we follow a God for whom bringing what was dead to life is normal work. It's normal work for God. I wonder, is there something in your life, is there something in this church, a dream, a hope, a call that seems that it died some time ago that God is bringing back to life or will bring back to life as you keep your trust in him? As you trust him, he'll do the miracles. You don't have to bring it back to life. As you trust him, just trust him. He'll do the miracles. What I know is this. There's nothing better that we can do than simply honour him by trusting him. When we're doing that, even if we're not perfect and don't know quite where we're going, when we simply trust him, when we simply say, we trust you, Lord, he says, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Now I can bless you and I can bless the world through you. Amen.
Father, I want to thank you for the honour of being here today and being able to share this message. And I pray, Lord, that the simple message of trusting you, honouring you, Lord, will resonate even more strongly in this community that I know is already blessed with strong faith. I know, Father, I just sense when we turn to you and we say, we will trust you. It's like your muscles spur into action. You say, now I'm going to do amazing things. Please, Father, fill our hearts with trust in you and bless us and bless this world through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.